Right, we're back with the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast. I am Hamish Carton. We've got three brilliant guests on with me tonight. We'll get on to our very special guest in a wee minute. Um, first off, we've got Craig Gamble and Callum Scott. I don't know why I called you Callum Scott. It's usually Kelly Cal, but we'll call you the, the full names. It's been that kind of day. Um, how are you getting on, guys? Any kind of Twitter meltdowns lately? Not, not for me yet, Hamish, but... Uh... We'll see if we've got any <laughs> any resolution in the next couple of hours before the meltdown start. Are you gamble? None for me either, Hamish. Um, aye, all good. All good on my end. Good stuff. Um, right, we'll get on to our, our special guest we've got on uh, the podcast tonight. We were saying before we started, we, we have numerous kind of guests on the show, but we never really cover one team, um, or two teams probably, the two Edinburgh teams, two of the biggest teams in the country. Um Delighted to kind of remedy that tonight because we've got Craig Wilson, who's the general manager of Big Hearts. That's the official charity of Heart of Midlothian. Uh, Craig, thanks very much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Um, just a shame it's not in, in better circumstances. Um, obviously, we're, we're talking about the, the really sad and, and shocking news at the weekend of uh, the untimely death of Marius Zaliukas, um died age 36 after battling uh, motor neuron disease. Um, just a, a really kind of sad weekend for everyone, I suppose, but if there's one club that was affected by it most, it would be your club. Yeah, absolutely. And it was obviously made, um, you know, it was a strange weekend, I think, for, for all Hearts fans in terms of you were you were dealing with a, a Scottish Cup semi final kind of for last season. You had no fans at the game. You were sitting probably watching it on your own or in your household. Um, and then to to kind of top that off, there was this news that broke that obviously everybody was you know completely shocked by. Um, and and then and then thrown into the mix, you you, you know, we we happened to get a result as well. So a kind of total mix of emotions for everybody. Um, but you obviously touched on it. You know, losing someone. Um, like Marius, who obviously played a you know a, a huge part and 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 will be remembered for playing a huge part in Hearts history, um, in terms of being the captain that lifted the cup um, not so long ago. And you know we don't we don't lift the cup that often. We've lifted the cup uh, Scottish Cup three times in my lifetime, so he will always be fondly remembered for that. But to lose him at the age of thirty six is you know it's absolutely tragic and, and certainly something that. Um, you know, everybody, and, and like you guys, I, I'm sure the same, everybody's touched by when you hear that news of someone who we've all watched and seen and, and you know, you feel a kind of link to in terms of, you know, 36 is just, just isn't old at all and he's, he's only finished playing a couple of years ago. So, yeah, absolutely tragic, um, very strange weekend and obviously a, a real um, a real sad one, but everybody's thoughts are kind of with, with Marius' family and, and, and all the rest of it, you know. Yeah, the news certainly came out of the blue, for me, um, were you or were other Hearts fans aware of his, his battle with, with MND? Because it's obviously, you know, when you think of the likes of Fernando Rickson and, and Doddy Weir, it's such a public kind of illness because, the you know, it's such a physical dehabilitating illness that, that's hard to miss. Um, were Hearts fans aware of I'm going through this? No, I, I don't think so. And, and um, without obviously knowing t too much, and I guess there's an element of Marius obviously choosing to keep himself to himself when he left Hearts in terms of, you know, he's never really been back to Tynecastle. We've never really heard him reflect on his time at Hearts. Um, so, so to be honest with you, you know, from what I gather and speaking to a few of my colleagues at the club in, in recent days and a few of his ex-teammates and, and all the rest of it, no, I mean, nobody seemed to be aware. And that obviously added to the complete the complete shock. You know, losing anybody's a tragedy at any time, um, but certainly to, to do it in the way that we had. And, and like you say, you know, I think when you realise that it was MND, you know, it's an illness that, as you say, you, I think we all look at and think, you know, it's horrendous and anything that we can do to um, raise awareness of that illness, is, as has been the case, you know, I, I think you, you touched on um, Fernando Rickson's very public battle, um, Hearts lost David David Hagen, used to play with Rangers mm. and, and Falkirk not so long ago as well. Um, there's obviously Dodie Weir, there's a couple of cases down south, so it seems as though, you know, for whatever reason, you know, quite a few sportsmen have suffered from, but... Um, yeah, anything that, that can be done to kind of raise awareness and hopefully tackle it as a disease is is, is hugely important. Um, but yeah, definitely adds to the to the the total shock of this, you know, social media um, 
thing that took off at kind of I think around about half time probably the game when we're hearing about Marius's passing and and again because of the the element of being him being based in Lithuania and it come breaking from Lithuania there was almost no you know did we know it was true and you were kind of hoping that there was just another you know one of these um, horrible kind of rumours that was floating but uh, yeah absolutely tragic and um, but as I say it doesn't appear that anybody was too aware of that and of course each to their own in terms of how you deal with these things and you know um, if that's what Marius wanted then then you know everybody's you know very comfortable with that I guess. Yeah you talk about moving on and, and doing your best to um, to raise money I suppose to, to raise awareness of MND and it, it brings us on to um, what Big Hearts are doing um, I'm just reading from, from the tweet that's pinned on the, the Big Hearts account on Twitter um, effectively you, you got an anonymous donation of a, a match shirt worn by Marius Aliukas um, I believe on his 29th birthday back in, in 2012 and what are you able to tell us about that situation and, and what you guys at Big Hearts are doing? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think obviously as the club's charity, there's a. Um, we felt that we were in a. You know, we would have felt anyway we were in a position to do something in terms of linking to MND and and this expectation because I think the one thing that all football fans do is respond really well to these things and you know Hearts fans would be no different in terms of how can we support what can we do. Um, yeah, we we we. Randomly enough, I have got a couple of Marius's match one shots. Um, that have been donated to us. Um, one that was donated only a few weeks ago, um, obviously, again, completely coincidentally around what's then happened. But um, the most recent one and the one that, that you see at the moment is, um, yeah, it was donated to us. It, it comes with a kind of letter of authenticity. Um, and somebody who, who, who had it kindly felt as though it would be the right thing to do to... to um, you know, raise some funds on the back of it. And, and obviously the added bit is that, that Marius wore it. He wore it, um, I think it was on his birthday in, in November 2012. He scored the penalty in the match. So I think the, the wee video that Hearts had put up pretty recently um, in kind of memory of Marius, it's the, the opening penalty that you see on that was, was the, the strip that he had on his back that day. Um, and we figured that, listen, we'll, we'll reach out to MND Scotland and, and let them know that we'll... we'll um, We'll do a bit of a, a kind of silent auction to, to raise some funds for MND. Um, and, yeah, we, we launched that. And there's, there's been a huge outpouring. You know, we, we're, a, as, a, as a charity, um, like any other charity, we, we exist to help people when they need it. We help families and um, individuals who are kind of isolated and vulnerable and suffering. And um, we, we always, because of the link to football, you know, football, again, hearts are brilliant. You know, fans are brilliant and it's the same for all the clubs across Scotland, the work that clubs have done in the community and you always get, you know, we're always blown away by the support we get and the, the number of people who are keen to retweet and share and and donate and, and spread the word and help us through volunteering and all the rest of it, but this is one that, you know, it's kind of blown up in terms of people really keen to support and loving the idea of it and setting up their own, you know, not everybody's going to be able to buy a strip that um, Marius had on his back and pay what will be thousands of pounds, probably, to be honest, having, having had a wee peek at some of the bids that have come in. Um, so, you know, people going off and, and setting up their own wee personal um, sites to donate money to MND Scotland and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah, kind of blown away by, by the response in, in that regard. And, you know, the number of people that um, I've spoke to in recent days, um, guys that played with Marius, some of the members of the, the 2012 Cup final team and, and everybody's response is, look, how do we how do we help and what can we do? And, um, you know, obviously supporting MND Scotland and thinking about ways to mark Marius's time at Hearts is is, uh, is something that, that feels feels right at the moment. So, um, yeah, blown away by the level of support and obviously speaking to you guys as part of that as well. You know, it's been picked up by, by other people, but anything we can do in small a small part to just spread the word and share a bit about MND Scotland while also marking, you know, as I say, one of the club's... Um, yeah, I mean, he'll go down as one of the club's, you know, greatest players in terms of lifting that trophy, which which doesn't happen very often. Yeah, hopefully some kind of positive can come from what is obviously a really tragic story. Um, you mentioned his, his cup exploits there. We'll come back to you in a wee second, Craig, and, and get the hearts spin on some of your favourite memories of, of Marius Aliukas at the club. Um, Craig Gamble, he obviously played for, for your side as well, probably not a a period of time you really want to, to look back on in terms of Rangers. Um, have you got any memories of, of Marius Aliukas um, playing for your club? Um, I, I do, yeah. I mean, I always 
I always like when you think of Mario Saliukas, you've got to be honest and say the first thing that comes to your head is the kind of image of him lifting the cup, the cup for hearts. Obviously, he played for Rangers that season, um, 2014-15, which uh, from a Hearts perspective, actually, the, the irony, I suppose, is that that's probably one of the better seasons mm-hmm. one of the, that they've had in kind of recent times anyway, um, whereas for Rangers, it was quite the opposite. So, But, I mean, Zalukas, you could say, although that was the kind of tail end of his career at that point, um, his playing career anyway, he was he's still a good player, obviously, and you could see that. But, yeah, perhaps not the on the field, um, the kind of the best of time for, for Rangers as a club but as I say it was just I think the most shocking thing about it was um, the fact that we, we had absolutely no idea um, that he was obviously suffering with the disease and then yeah just such a weird way that uh, it, they kind of broke with the timing of it um, as it's obviously Hearts are in the middle of a, a semi-final against Hibs so uh, so yeah I mean just echo what, what Craig said as well just all the thoughts are with his, his family and close friends and just a terrible, tragic thing to have happened. Definitely. We we usually in this podcast, we try and find a Kilmarnock link to, to virtually any story um, because of a certain member we've got. And we're chatting before we came on, um, Casey, and I, I believe Kelly were, were once close to, to signing Zaliukas. <coughs> no, that's, that's right enough, Hamish. Obviously, it's just quite ironic that that, that would have come up. But no, when we were just talking before... Um, when obviously you know me of some of the, the comments I've made about Gary Locke and, and good gesture when he was Kawarnock manager but the when he was signing a, a lot of the kind of ex-Hearts players there was a period I think Zalaukas was actually close to signing I'm not just saying this but that was one of the ones that I was actually going to be happy with he's a player that I always really liked he was a top top player for <coughs> for the uh, Scottish Premiership at that period in time um, and the reason I, I think that it fell through was that he obviously didn't fancy playing in the, the plastic pitch like, like a, a lot of players I think a lot of transfers have fell through with that so no it was obviously just funny to bring that into it but again just to, to basically reiterate what, what the other guys have said I mean really just could not believe that when, when the news came in on in, in Saturday night you were just totally in disbelief and Again, he's a player that I've I've always really really liked and admired. Top top player, and it's it's just absolutely terrible news. And it's it's obviously great what, what Craig and the, the the charity are doing to to raise awareness of this uh, <coughs> this horrible disease and and uh, you know raise a lot of money for it and stuff. So uh, again, to to just echo what the guys have said, I mean the news is just absolutely terrible. Yeah, going back to you, Craig, is it a simple question to ask you for Zaliukas's best moment in a heart shot is it that 2012 Scottish Cup final I think yeah I mean obviously it's the moment that everybody will um, reflect on I think um, the one thing about Marius is uh, because uh, because he was Lithuanian and um, I've had a few people kind of reflect this in recent days and obviously because of Vladimir Romanov and the period we had when um, we had busloads of it felt like busloads of Lithuanian players arriving. Marius joined Arts in two thousand and seven, I think. Um, started as a trialist and 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 kind of no, I think across his Hearts career got sent off seven times. Um, had a I think probably four of them were in one season, so he had a bit of a spell where, to be fair, you know, no many fans would have said that Marius Aliukis was their biggest. You know, they they wanted him to. To play and, and he, he spent his first uh, period of time probably playing in like holding midfield and stuff. But I think it probably says quite a lot about Marius the character that actually what then transpired was him captain in Hearts and and actually Jim Jeffries probably quite ironically naming Marius as captain. Um, I guess you would think again the number of managers Hearts had over a period of time it might have been one of um, Vladimir's uh, guys if you like that maybe thought you know. Um, Marius should be the skipper, but um, you know I think the 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 biggest thing you would say is he was a character. He was, you know, the the red cards was part of that. He was a bit of a loose cannon in terms of on the pitch, certainly in the early days. Um, but he was a you know a big strapping defender who could run it with the ball and play. And and I think the thing about the cup run that that um, maybe gets overlooked a wee bit is he scored a goal really late on at St Johnston, I think in a, in the replay that helped us get. To, Extra time, I think, or was it the end of extra time? I, I can't remember, but it was it was it was a key goal in that moment. He was involved in winning the dubious penalty that we got in the semi final against Celtic. So he actually played a big part in that run, as well as obviously being the guy who who walked up and and lifted the trophy. But a proper character, um, I think everybody would feel that anybody who'd been around 
the club and obviously wasn't around the club in a kind of work capacity at that point. But anybody who you've spoke to since um, or any anybody who shared the dressing room with him would say, you know, didn't take himself too seriously. One of the lads um, and, and you know, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of those guys in that dressing room would say he, he very much bucked the trend in terms of being one of the, the Lithuanian guys who, who came in and suddenly became really part of the part of the football club. You know, we had loads, but actually only really four or five of them probably actually played a number of games. And I think Marius went on, and I'm sure I heard that the other day that he's probably I think he played the most games for a for a foreigner on a Hearts jersey, which is which is quite something really when you when you think about. It. You've had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was just sad news, wasn't it? Um, we, we obviously on behalf of Burst Ball, I'd like to kind of pass on my condolences to, to all his friends, family, the heart support and everyone um, affected by it. Um, we'll move on. We don't know the next time we're, we're going to have a Hearts fan on the podcast, so we'll, we'll try and chat to you about uh, the weekend just briefly. Um, what did you think of the, the game on Saturday? Um, obviously, um, taking all the, the other stuff that happened away from it, a really good win. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, I think we'd all felt going into the game that Hearts had... Um, it was going to be a challenge in terms of being up, you know, totally up to speed. Hibs had been playing in the Premiership for a for a, a number of months. We'd obviously played a few competitive league games. It would appear that that Robbie starting pre-season, you know, months and months ago, had had kind of helped and paid off in some respect. Um, and I think, you know, it's easy for me to say that that Hearts and Hibs squads are no, there's probably no too much in it. And actually, when you look at it. The team that ended up on the pitch for Hearts, you know, was very experienced. You know, you're talking about Stevie Naismith, Haring came on. You've got guys like Craig Halka, um, Liam Boyce, um, Jamie Walker, guys that have been around the block and done it. Um, and I think that probably told in the end. I think Robbie Subs, I think it was around about the hour mark, seemed to give Hearts more control over the game. Um and obviously, I never mentioned there in terms of experience. Craig Gordon made a uh, one particularly, mm. you know, unbelievable save, um, and and then the the kind of tail of two penalties, which Liam Boyce obviously came out on top of. Um, they were probably both dodgy penalties in terms of whether they actually were or not. Um, I think from a Hearts fans perspective, you could argue that. Um, Joe Newell uh, probably it certainly looks like he's dived to win that penalty whereas at the other end it was more one that you would go very soft no much in it probably played for it to an extent um, but yeah I, I think there was a, a strange ease around the way that we dealt with it in the end as well you know it, it felt as though Hearts were um, to a point in control um, albeit I think I think there's no doubt Craig Gordon makes a massive difference if you compare that to the Hearts of of last season, um, you know, if you stick Craig Gordon in goals, never mind, um, you know, getting relegated or demoted or whatever anybody wants to say that you wouldn't have, you would just never have been in that position if you had Craig Gordon in goals. I think that's just that's just fact to be fair, and he's proved that already in, in the games he's played um, and saves he's made. So yeah, it's obviously huge for the club to get through. It's a strange one, um, you know, Scottish Cup final in December, but uh, it gives it gives us all something to kind of look forward to and breaks up the strange championship season that we're obviously um, we've started Yeah, final question and be careful with your answer here but what are you thinking for the final you got a chance I don't know I don't know I mean it would obviously be really fitting if they could do something in terms of you know you know on and Marius's memory it would be lovely to you know and there was something about that in terms of the timing um, Craig touched on that there a, a moment ago I think um, however you know I feel like a lot will depend on Celtic and having watched Celtic recently, um, the last couple of games anyway, they seem to have found themselves again and, and um, you know, got a bit of style and substance about them. So I think if it's that Celtic that are playing, then Hearts would need a lot to go for them. I suppose the interesting twist is that those guys that have, Hearts have signed to, you know, Craig Gordon being one who started the Scottish Cup campaign as a Celtic player and now finds himself playing Celtic in the final. It's a, it's a bit strange. Um, Andy Halliday was obviously put out by Hearts at Tynecastle um, in February and now finds himself in the Scottish Cup final. So that there's something about you know we were laughing as when I when I first joined about Scottish football always having talking points. It does feel as though <laughs> there's already a number of things there that that might contribute to something, but. Um, yeah, I think you know Craig Gordon could be somebody who you would need to have a brilliant day, but but who knows? You you, you would hope that um, we have a chance, but uh, you know I, I think as I say, it would depend more on Celtic than it would on than it would on Hearts if that's the if that's the right way to describe it. 
Definitely, Craig. It's been brilliant to have you on. Um, we'll maybe have you on late in December, around yeah. Christmas time. Ho- hopefully not. Hopefully, from my <laughs> point of view, Celtic do the business. But I uh, appreciate you coming on, mate. No, no, appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, all the best. Cheers. Right, that was Craig Wilson there, the general manager of Big Hearts. Uh, go and check them out on Twitter. It's nice and easy handle. It's at Big Hearts, surprisingly. Um, great to have him on. Our, our first ever first ever Hearts guest, maybe, in the six years of Burst Ball. Can you think of any, Casey? No, I was thinking last week about that before we Did Gary Locke come on once, or am I completely making that up? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think. Just probably the amount of times I've spoken about Gary Locke, it probably felt like it was on. Um, but no, as I said, um, we, we all know that a lot of teams say there's a West Coast bias with the, and I think the Burst Ball podcast maybe comes into that as well, um, despite some of our Aberdeen contingent. But no, it was great to have one. I thought Craig spoke, spoke very well. Definitely. Um... Yeah, we're, we're obviously recording this Wednesday night, so I think most of the weekend stuff is, is kind of been and gone. Um, I think me and Gambo have got, got something <laughs> to speak about with the Kelly Rangers, right? Well, we'll come on to that in a wee second. We'll, we'll let the, the big dogs who actually were still left in the cup um, have their say first. Um, I thought Celtic were really good in the first half on Sunday. Um, I think there's, there's signs there that we are getting back to our best, so you should be very concerned a lot, a lot more upbeat, Hamish, than the last time I spoke to you. A week's a long, long time in football, isn't it? <laughs> I couldn't have done another podcast like that, honestly. I'm just so glad that the Celtic seem to be getting their act together. But um, big game on Thursday night, obviously, against Sparta Prague. So that's kind of all I've got to say, guys. So we'll move on to, to your lot playing against each other in Sunday. Another victory for Rangers against Kilmarnock. Um, it's obviously not been that happy a hunting ground rugby park for your side, Gamble. But I suppose you, you got there in the end. A wee bit nervy maybe at the end, although Kelly, maybe other than the, the Brophy free kick, didn't really test uh, whoever was in nets, McGregor. Yeah, I think... Um... With the benefit of hindsight, you would probably look back and say it's it's it, but the facts are it is as comfortable as we've been at Rugby Park in the league anyway. I think obviously we had one of Gerard's first games um, in the Betfred Cup. I think Morello scored a hat trick. That was a good uh, a good performance that day. But aside from that, it is absolutely not been a happy hunting ground for us at all. I think um, I said to you, Hamish, after the the two 0 win against Livingston, in a kind of twisted way, I was. I was really pleased with that and see looking back on that one now away win as well it's the same kind of you just love that kind of we've dug out the, the three points and um, and we move on so I, I think it was weird the way the game kind of played out it was almost as if right this is usually what happens we go 1-0 up here and then we get beat 2-1 uh, so and in the sense that it kind of played out like that um, it was good to see us get it, get it over the line and I think I mean, you kind of watch back the highlights of the game, as you said, apart from, I think maybe Broadfoot has that kind of half chance, if you could even call it that, with a header. Um, the, the Brophy free kick is, I mean, he's just smashed it towards goal. And obviously, McGregor, you'd expect him to make that save, to be honest. But um, I thought we, yeah, I thought it was a it was a good win. Um, you'd always like to see us score more goals, I suppose. And I think we should have. I think um, Eaton should probably do better with his chance. Hmm. Um, and Kent should he should score that one, I think. Um, he just doesn't get a hold of it right. But, but I so a, a great win for us. And I think before the game as well, a lot of Rangers fans were kind of building up as in this was going to be the real kind of acid test for us um, because of obviously, the, I mean, you look, you look back at our form at Rugby Park and it is absolutely dreadful, to be honest. But that's credit to Kelly. Um, and I thought we, aye, we can maybe prove a bit of a point on, on Sunday. Um so yeah, I think I, and I think Kelly, if they managed to get a point out of that game, um, I'm not sure what KCU is going to say, but I think they would uh, they would have been counting the lucky stars if they did. But um, yeah, so chuffed with that result. And um, as I say, one of those other kind of weird, twisted games that you like to just a one now away win, always pleasing. Yeah, we'll get your thoughts in a wee minute, Casey. Um, I thought it was a. A good performance from Rangers. I thought Kelly were awful in the first half, like absolutely terrible, and I couldn't believe how poor they were. Picked up a bit in the second half, but I don't know if part of that just came from Rangers retreating a little bit and getting closer to that ninety minutes because Kelly didn't really start kind of pressing Rangers for a you know a route back into the game for the last twenty minutes or so. It wasn't really up until then, and probably when Brophy went on. So um, you kind of see. 
uh, Burke, I think it was in the first half, was almost kind of screaming at the back four, Achilles, Achilles' defence, to say, like, why are we so deep here, kind of thing. Um, no, strange. I don't know if it was tactics for Alec Dyer to, like, try and frustrate Rangers, because we know Rangers are a really good counter-attacking team. Maybe he thought that, um, you know, by sitting back, then they could exploit Rangers themselves. But if you look at all Achilles' good results over the last few years, they've always carried an attacking threat. They've always been able to sting them in the break. Brophy, Jordan Jones, um, Chris Burke, someone like that over the years that scored against Rangers. So I was just a bit disappointed with Kelly. Um, but I don't know if part of this is the fact that Rangers have improved a lot because I've been disappointed with Aberdeen first game of the season. Um, who else have you played? Motherwell I was disappointed in. Um, but maybe it's just Rangers are a better side. Certainly... Certainly, I've always thought Rangers were a better side going forward, but I'd kind of revise that now. I'd almost say Rangers are a side better defensively than going forward at the moment, um, which is obviously, uh, anyway, when games um, is positive. What did you think of the game, Casey? No, I mean, I, I'm actually in complete agreement with you guys, to be honest. I think it's the easiest game Rangers have had at Rugby Park for the league was one in seven minutes in twenty eleven. That was actually okay, me and Gamble before we even knew each other. We were at that game together and ah, you, hugging you each other and just <laughs> I celebrating all the Rangers goals. We're just so happy at Celtic never won the league that day and lied <laughs> into them. It was brilliant, honestly, one of the best days of my life. That so, uh, but no, the easiest easiest game Rangers have had at Rugby Park since then. I think I, I mean I can. I will criticise Kilmarnock but I think that Rangers generally do deserve a lot of credit and as kind of Hamish touched on there um, we can sit and say ah, it's, it's no great it's no great but the point I made about the you know the the Hibs team about beating Kilmarnock last week as well I mean good teams do that they grind out results I don't mean that in a way as I feel like Rangers like, like um, they, they won the at it I, ju- I just mean that obviously Gamble saying they could have won by a couple more and they certainly could have but good teams Win one nil away from home, yeah. and and that's what happened. I think that we, the first half in particular, was just really really bad. Um, it was just a case of seeing how long. Well, and after fifteen minutes, we gave away a silly penalty, but it was almost reminiscent of the game at Ibrox. It was it didn't look like there was a game plan there. Not got any other kid on for a minute on our Clark that we were free flowing attacking football. But when you played Rangers and Celtic, as Hamish said that. You would be defensive, but when you got the ball, you always looked like you could do something going forward. Whereas with us, it just seemed we'll sit here and see how long we can frustrate them for and how long we can last without conceding. Concede the penalty. I had absolutely no faith in the keeper. Tavernier doesn't, doesn't really miss for 12 yards. Um, and obviously, just get ahead. But to be fair. Aye, no, that, that's, that's true as well. But no, it, was, it was actually a great penalty from his point of view. I mean, Rogers goes the right side, but he still got absolutely no chance. Um, but no, I, I, I think the first half we were very lucky to, to only get in 1-0 down. No particular in regards to like our keeper had to make X amount of saves. We just looked like we were living dangerously. But again, was that tactics? The amount of crosses Rangers had felt in play was something quite frightening, considering that's our, arguably the strongest area going forward, I'd say, uh, with Tavernier and Barisic either side. And it doesn't help that both of our fullbacks were very, very poor on Sunday, I think, as well. But no, and I, I, I don't think second half we, we looked a bit better. But as you said, I mean, a lot of that could be down to Rangers kind of retreating a wee bit. That's what happens in football. You're always got to get some yeah. kind of spell. But I think even in that spell, we didn't we didn't ask anyone near enough questions. There wasn't the Brophy free kick eye, but as Gamble says, it is straight McGregor. At least it gives him something to work with. I was saying that. Hit keeper side, but I wanted to hit low and hit off the surface. Um, so is it like, and hit it like that but however he hits it low but it doesn't hit the ground once and I mean McGregor really should be safe if, if you score for that you're really disappointed in the keeper I think the Dyer again just one last final point I think he, it was very very poor tactically from him to bring on Brophy and no keep Kabam, no keep Kabambo on he went yeah. like for like with a smaller guy that didn't work if we went, went two up front to try and get ourselves a goal back and then take Kabambo off and put the three in the middle of the park again I think that would have worked but you ended up with Broadfoot playing up top didn't you Fred? Aye, but aye, like, what, why aye. not just keep Kabambo if you're going to do that well, I mean, I mean, I mean, we know. I mean, Broadfoot's goal scoring record speaks for itself. I mean, just ask my dad that. I think he puts a tenner on him every week to score for Kelly, and I think it's come up once. So, uh, God knows how much money he's done with that one. To be fair, I think when he got him, it was like sixteens or whatever. So maybe he's broke even on that. But uh, aye, so nah, I think that summed it up because that's what we end up doing anyway. I would, I would have kept, uh, kept kebab on, tried to mix it up a wee bit, put Rangers under a bit more pressure get a goal and then take your bamboo off but nah 
no complaints for me. Um, and again, I just I can't. I don't know when this Rangers side are going to drop points. Yeah, as much as uh, Rangers were definitely the better team, and I don't think anyone would have disputed that in the first half. I remember thinking prior to the goal, not actually created a lot here. I think there was one a rebo shot that kind of fizzed over the bar. Um, and the goal's obviously just completely daft defending from Millen, is it? Yeah, I mean, what is... Terrible, I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be checking that guy's history, that's all I'm saying. I'd be checking who he's supported over the well, years. I think, find, was, uh, I think you'll find he's uh, quite the opposite of what you're suggesting there. <laughs> he's, he's one of yours, I think, yeah, Well, well that's getting be, taken out the podcast, Ed. <laughs> Did you know hear Gerard's comments before the game? Oh, I, was actually gonna, that. I was actually going to mention that. I kind of thought, oh no, especially before the game. Um, like that's just not what you want to be hearing before potentially going out and dropping points. But obviously it wasn't pinned up in the dressing room wall for Kelly. I, I think to be fair as well, um, I see all the, Kelly, all the Kelly fans are piping up about it and as per it's just this total frustration of social media and people not actually clicking an article either and seeing it was pre-match comments people thought he was saying it after the match and you're like no he didn't he said it before yeah, the game yeah. and it's it's a one-liner the full thing before that Gerard saying how good Kilmarnock have been and how tough this has been for Rangers it, it has a daft comment but it's almost throwaway but you know fine well the tabloids will pick up on that and that's what they're on with oh, look at all the Celtic fans and the Kelly team but I mean to be honest I think that's one of the first times again especially talking about 2011 about how happy I was that day I mean one of the only times we've, we've been accused of being a mini Celtic there so um, I, I think Gerard needs to check his history books there So a fun night for you and Sunday night Gamble What's that? Fun night for you on Sunday night after the after the game. Um, after after the Rangers game. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm I'm lost. <laughs> I'm trying to link it into the fact that two of your players went and had a party. Oh on Sunday right, night after right. The game. I was thinking <laughs> I had a I had a pretty quiet night, but I mean, we know two people who obviously who obviously the way didn't. this is meant to work. I, I was meant to go fun night gamble, and you were to go yeah, and then I'd go like that. Well, two of your players also enjoyed themselves. Aye, sorry, but somehow I'm... ended up in a, a really awkward situation, <laughs> so that's probably going to get edited out as well. But um, to be fair, gamble gamble done a good job of covering these tracks there because I think that he was with them. <laughs> Listen, my Snapchat location was turned off on Sunday night. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Another COVID breach, obviously by Scottish football. You know. Celtic ball and goalie, the Aberdeen 8, St Mirren's goalkeeper crisis, your own club, KC. Um, I wouldn't really compare that to players going to a party, but um, it's more kind of COVID controversy. And it's just, I don't want to spend ages in this because I think everything that's said needs to be said. And to be fair, Stephen Gerrard kind of wants to move on. He says that the players are regretting it. Uh, Rangers have suspended the pair. Uh, the SFA are also going to get their say with them. And their... Um, self-isolating for 14 days I believe as well as per the advice of the Rangers doctor so pretty kind of sticky situation just just daft just needless yeah. isn't it just see the, the worst thing about it for me is that see if you phone me on Sunday Hamish or Monday morning and said listen I've got the exclusive here there's two Rangers players that have been out breaching the Covid regulations absolutely mm. stick on one of them is going to be Jordan Jones and it? it's just it was just a given that he was going to be involved 27 years old now as well so you can't even he's not a daft young boy anymore it's just the thing that got 26, to me was I believe 26, all right well i'm i'm yeah. getting mad you know but <laughs> the point still stands but um i for me it's like what were they just going to swan into training again on like today or yesterday whenever they were they were due back if they didn't get busted for it i don't think we'll ever see jones in a rangers top again edinson I mean, he's he's 20, just turned 23, so I suppose he's got maybe more of that excuse of being a bit of a daft young boy, which he absolutely has been here. I, I've got a feeling he might get maybe a second chance. Um, I know there's been rumours about Jones and his, um, and his conduct since he signed and maybe the fact that he's not played much on the park kind of tells a story there. But then when he does get his chance in the team against Motherwell a few weeks back and he plays really well and you think, oh, that'd be great to have another option um, in the squad. And I just, uh, just daft. And uh, as you say, you're just like, no, again, like not another story here. Um, so I total idiotic behaviour. 
as as nice as I can be about it. So time may be up for Jordan Jones at Rangers. It's worked out right for Ball and Goalie though, even Celtic. He's currently starting against Man United in the Champions League for Istanbul Basic Sehir and they're winning 1-0 against Man United so it's kind of worked out alright for him um, maybe Jordan Jones will be playing Champions League football at some stage although not sure if I see that one um, we'll move on guys to to kind of what's to come this weekend I say weekend it's mainly Friday night isn't it why are like why are Ross County and Livingston playing on Friday night. Like I know it's because of Steve Clark, but why are Ross County and Livingston playing? Aye, what it's, what it's, international it, players have they got to be called up? I know, but I think it's just there's it all just flat except for the European teams that have these to play on the Friday night because because they had this disaster again the whole fixture backlog way. Everybody's meant to play the Friday night and everybody's well. Rangers and Celtic are playing Europa League football on Thursday, so there's that out the window. So, um, no, nah, I think it was just blanket. Every team moved for the Saturday to the Friday and just as simple as that. So as far as I'm aware, the Scotland squads basically, in terms of Scottish Premiership teams, it's Celtic Rangers, Motherwell have got a player, Aberdeen will have someone, won't they? Considine, he was in it, and I think Hibs have maybe got someone although I could be wrong so Aberdeen play Hibs so you could have that on Friday night and you can't move obviously Motherwell Celtic on, on Sunday but the other three like Ross County Livingston St Johnson Kelly and St Mirren Dundee United like surely you could just play them on Saturday or maybe I'm just being daft maybe it doesn't matter because fans aren't getting to games anyway at the moment so I think it was obviously as I said but it's, it's no new it was I remember them announcing it a couple of oh, maybe the beginning of last month or whatever so I think that's one of the reasons and you can argue there I realistically it could only be Hibs and Aberdeen really affected by it but at that point I mean the likes of Brophy, Finlay could still be in contention but at that point for a place in the squad Shankland at Dundee United um, obviously he'll be part of the squad I think so I can I can, I can see why it's done that but I, I know I know what you're saying as well but I think it's just blanket policy and then as per they had an absolute nightmare and forgot that that two wee teams were playing in the, the Europa League the night before. So in any non sorry, in any normal Scottish Premiership fixture card, Ross County Livingston would probably be the, the least talked about game. However, there are going to be fans at the game this weekend. Three hundred fans are going to be at Ross County against Livingston. It's just been confirmed. Scottish government finally given permission for fans to return to Scottish football. Friday night, Ross County against uh, Livingston, as I say, there's also talks about about Inverness, Cali Thistle and Elgin City getting uh, fans back to game so Johnny Clark may get to a game at some stage uh, the advantages of living up north what um, what kind of appeals to us on, on Friday night I mean Aberdeen Hibs is, is a pretty pretty big game it's fair to say that's the battle for, for third place uh, Aberdeen won that last time away to, to Hibs there's only one point separating the teams Hibs have 24 points Aberdeen have got 23 but Aberdeen have got a, a game in hand there, so that should be a tasty one on, on Friday night, Craig. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it, just as you say, that will be the definitely going to be the race for, for third place. Um, these are the games that McInnes tends to win, isn't it? Um, especially against his, I think. Not that I'm pretty sure that Hibs, I mean, a record at Pataudry, I don't think is, is too hot at all. Um, I recall a couple of doings for them, actually, in the last couple of seasons up there, so... Um, aye, that'll be, that'll be a good game um, obviously both of them coming off the back of their semi-final defeats so they'll be looking to put some things right um, oh, I was going to go for that prediction there but I'll, I'll sit right on the fence and say I won each draw Fair enough, your side KC back in action Friday night again um, you're up against St Johnson, the team of uh, Stephen Watt, the, the podcast fan who I give a shout out basically <laughs> in every show nowadays. Bit of animosity between you, Casey. He's been uh, he's been DMing me, slagging you off. Is that wow. right? Um, oh well, I mean, the end of the day, I mean, he seems to think I'm oh, a bit of Kelly fan. I, I I'm completely lying, I, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how any listener. <laughs> I, I don't know how any listeners could ever say that I'm bitter or biased towards Kilmarnock FC. So, no, nah, no, nah, but it's, it's, it's good to talk with him and it's good to actually see uh, interact with the podcast and, and he's a big fan. He always says keep up, keep up the good work. But no, it's, it's, it's got to be a... Um, I was going to say, it's got to be an interesting one. But, I mean, St. Johnson have improved, obviously. They were, they're certainly better than when, when we played them earlier on in the season. Uh, and obviously, we're not in a great running form. Obviously, played two very good teams, though, at home. We... 
Hibs and Rangers, uh, but we, without really laying a glove on either one. Um, but again, no giving away too much either. So I, I don't know. I, I would like us to, to go back to up front. I would like a few changes. I'd like uh, I'd like both fullbacks replaced for a start um, and, and, and giving some of these other guys a chance and, and then getting Brophy back in. Or Malumbu, because I thought that he made a wee bit of a difference when he came on against good, on Sunday. Because uh, he, he looks sloppy when he first comes on, and but then when he actually gets a hold of the ball, like, he just he actually doesn't give it away. And, and it's, it's great to have him back if we can get him. I know we've spoken about the game. I just want to say, I thought Gary Dicker was terrible. Like, he, was, just, he was, he was, he was absolutely tortured. No, he was, and, 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 and Alan Power wasn't no good either. Um, I actually thought Dicker was not too bad, but... D- Dicker for the first 15-20 minutes was absolutely terrible and then uh, uh, there was about a 10-15 minute spell after that where we kind of get back into the game just before half time Not, nothing big but there was a 5 minute yeah, yeah. spell where we actually got our own half and, and I think a lot of that was down to Gary Dicker mopping up but then after that I think he just really poor but for me it was more Alan Powell that was poor and I'm a big Powell fan but yeah. He was uh, he he let us do big time so and, and uh, so for, for them to bounce back but anybody's droppable but I can't see that so I want to see Malumbu back in but no it should be a good one and then hopefully hopefully the scores are settled by by Kelly getting a, a well, well Kelly Robinson Johnson up there after they robbed us earlier on this season yeah I should should say finally I think Stephen Watt just to mention him again I believe he's a commentator for St Johnson TV so he'll be commentating on the game so maybe it'd be good to get Stephen on at some stage we're kind of going to tick off the. The clubs that we never cover, we've ticked off Hearts, we've ticked off St Johnson, but we will hopefully um, at some stage with Stephen. So yeah, um, that's pretty much it guys, obviously lower league stuff happening as well. We'll then go into a big international break. We're going to just spend the last kind of literally five minutes of the podcast chatting about that. Um, Steve Clark announced his, his squad on yesterday, I think Tuesday for... Three games that are coming up, um, obviously the first of those three games away to Serbia, 90 minutes away from Euro 2020 slash 2021. We don't even know where it's going to be played, there's talk that it's going to be moved to Russia, but it goes without saying it's an absolutely huge game. Any surprises? I suppose Lee Griffiths been in the squad was a, a bit of a surprise. I know Grant Hanley was getting a lot of chat, I kind of feel it's a bit pointless because he's no, really going to play, is he? Um, and even if he does, I don't think Grant Hanley's as bad as folk make out. I don't particularly like him, but um, he's not like an absolutely awful footballer. Uh, I think Craig Gordon was called up as well, which is, I suppose, a wee bit interesting given that he's not playing in the top flight. Um, I thought we could pick our Scotland team quickly, just between the three of us, try and come to some sort of consensus. I was getting abused on the bus ball Twitter for suggesting... Um, that Declan Gallagher shouldn't start against Serbia. Um, people were saying that uh, you don't take a player out who's not done anything wrong. My argument was that um, the Leeds United fella, whose name I've completely forgotten, Liam Cooper, Cooper. Cooper. Liam Cooper should. Uh, I think he's a goes out saying if he's playing at Leeds as opposed to Motherwell, he's a better player, and I want our best players playing in the game. So I would have Cooper in my team. Um, goalkeeper's obviously going to be David Marshall. We're going with my back three. Who's your, your back three, Gamble, if you're picking it now? Um, so McTominay, even though I was probably against him playing in there when, when, when Clark first put him in, but he has actually been playing well there. I would say McTominay, um, I'm going to have to say Gallagher, even though I was... When we spoke about it, Hamish, kind of in agreement with you about Cooper coming in, I just think, and just purely for the fact that Gallagher has been playing there, and again, to be fair to him, he was decent, especially in the last round of games, um, and then Tierney. Uh, so McTominay, Gallagher, Tierney is my is my back three. I'll agree with the first and the last, but I'll go with Cooper instead of Gallagher. Not against Declan Gallagher, but as I say, I think you want the best players and and. Liam Cooper's playing at a, a top level for Leeds. Who's your your three, Casey? I'm with you, Hamish. To be honest, I mean, I can. I think that Cooper. He's playing Premier League in England. I'm. I'm not saying that should automatically mean you're a starter, but he has done well. Um, so far this season, I've picked up a lot more Premiership football this year than I have of late. But, um, well, Premier League, sorry. But no, I, I think as you said, there's nothing against Gallagher. I think he's done well. But then the day. It's a, it's a harsh business and it's, it's got to be your for me you've got to play your strongest 11 so for what my team will be and what Clark will be will be two completely different things but for me I think that Cooper Cooper Tierney and uh, 
Uh, McTominay's got to be the, the back three. In terms of full-backs, what are we thinking? It's got to be, I think. it's Obviously, it's Robertson left wing-back. And again, it's one of those, it's a toss-up between, really, uh, Palmer and uh, O'Donnell, I think. I think that, obviously, Palmer is playing at a higher level, you can argue. Um, and I think Palmer actually done all right in the, the Czech Republic game when mm. he came in, when we beat them away from home over there. Uh, but again, O'Donnell hasn't really put a foot wrong, but again, if you've got a... If you've got to go with your best team, I'd probably say Palmer is Palmer is better. If you asked me a year ago, I would have picked Donald, of course, but I'll <laughs> It's the same argument for me there. Like as I said to you, can off here earlier. If if you're going with players who haven't done anything wrong, you've got Considine and ahead of Kieran Tierney. So for me, you play your best players. Liam Palmer Aye. for me, and obviously Robertson at left back. I'll uh, Robertson and, and O'Donnell um, for me. I think if, if see if we had one of the if maybe the Serbia game was in between the the Canada two games, if that wasn't obviously the first one, I think you would maybe see as kind of maybe not experiment as if it's kind of wild cards in the team. But I just think he's going to go with the players who have been playing um, or Scotland anyway, of course. And I know Tierney's kind of walking back into it, but that's a given to be honest. Um, so I, I will say O'Donnell and um, Robertson in the wing backs. Midfield three, we've probably all got John McGinn in there, don't we? Yeah. Um, I've certainly got Callum McGregor in there, and I've got Ryan Jack in as well. Um, probably, I think other players, Ryan Christie's probably in and thereabouts. Stuart Armstrong, obviously, will be back as well. Uh, who else is called? Kenny McLean would probably be in the squad, but I don't think he's going to be um, near the near the you know starting lineup for that game. So I'll go McGinn. Jack McGregor with McGinn the, the kind of furthest forward of those three I'm, I'm with you again there Hamish um, I think it's again our midfield's good I think they, uh, the guys left on the bench there with Christie um, and McLean are, are again good enough but I think that for the type of game it is I think the, the likes of Jack and McGregor are key to that to sit and do that and then give give McGinn the wee bit of onus to go forward with it and he's so awkward to play against John McGinn as well I, I, well, no point even dwelling on that we all know McGinn's got to play he's, he's been one of our talisman there so no I'm, I'm in agreement with yourself there going, going again she's again here um, I'll uh, Jack and McGinn as your two holding or sitting midfielders central with uh, with Christie in front of them for me McGregor just hasn't been doing it for Scotland at all so bin him <laughs> Benham but put another Celtic player in his place so I'll, I'll accept that um, what are you suggesting <laughs> moving forward the front two probably Lyndon Dykes and Ryan Fraser the two who played the last couple of games and, and linked up so well I think we also had Lee Griffiths in the squad Shanklin's in the squad but I don't see either of them starting a game against Serbia Yeah. I think probably the, the clue was in Clark's press conference when he was talking about uh, Griffiths and having his, him having him as an option to come off the bench. Um, I think it will be Ryan Fraser and, um, and London Dykes. Uh, it worked really well, obviously, in the last round of games, so um, I think we'll see the two start. I think, again, it's it's, got, it's going to be Fraser and Dykes. Uh, Dykes has been a revelation for his command. I think he's been absolutely class and I've raved about him for years on this podcast. So I'm, I'm happy so to see you. Have. Have. I have. I have. Yes. I have. But even I told you that. Queen of the South days. Aye, at Queen of the South, that's when I brought it up. I went down to see Queen of the South there United. Doby scored five and Dykes was the best player in the park. Go and get the, go and get the archives <laughs> out. August 2018. Dobie, obviously his first goal just kind of, kind of pucks it out perfect finish into the top bin and then obviously gets a pen in that but also the guy Lyndon Dykes was different class he's, he's a right good player um, <laughs> caused air problems all day him and Gary Harkins were, were brilliant up next day next day Dobie. I'm telling you or September 2018 I've said that because I said that Kelly should have signed him in the January Kelly fans will say no 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 he's, he's no we, we should be aiming higher than that and look at him now I'm telling you I'm a massive Dykes fan before he played in the Premiership so don't 
Don't question me on that again. I, I would I would have signed them for Celtic. That's ah, Livingston. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, no, so, aye, I'll reiterate that again. Years I've been talking about Lyndon Dykes in this podcast, which is the right term to use. Uh, and I think that, for me, I think if he was playing week in, week out, I would have played Griffiths. I think he's our, he's our best striker um, when fit. But for a game like this, it's maybe not fair to kind of, you know, after a question about what's going on off the field with Lee Griffiths, so to throw him in would would maybe be a, a step too far, but it's good knowing that we've got mm. that bit of magic in the bench to come off and put in and come on eh, to come on and hopefully produce something. But equally, I think it would be really really funny if we just shit us our way properly to the Penalties. to the uh, to the final. And I well and, and play and just play McBurney again, man. McBurney and Dykes <laughs> just two absolute horrors up to that man and just smash the ball up to them and, and, and see what sticks. But nah, I think it's got to be Dykes and Fraser given their kind of link up in the last couple of games and uh, the, the the ability of Griffiths to come off the bench is, is always something to look forward to. I think this is going to be the first international break I've actually looked forward to. The the game's in eight days. Don't say that now, man. You were, you were Mr Negative a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and now you're, it's got to hit you worse now because you've got a wee bit of belief now and we've got to let you down. Nah, I said for day one, Clark, Clark would see us throughout the Euros. Do you honestly think so next week we'll do the business, aye? Aye, 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 I will. Because I've just said it for day, day one, so aye, we will. I think so. I, I know it was maybe you're kind of riding the crest of a wave a wee bit after the last round of games when we, when we were speaking about it on the pod, but I just I do think that they'll win. I don't know is whether it'll be in the 90 minutes. So who cares? But um, I, I just, I just think. Well, if it, that won't be too good for the old ticker, but if it goes extra time and then penalties, Jesus, the thought of that, I'm sweating. But um, yeah, I just, I, as we were talking about before, I just think that um, it, I just, I don't know, my guts just tell me that we're, uh, we're going to win. It's going to be so crushing, isn't it, when we don't? But I feel the same. I think, I think we've got a good chance. I think we've got a team there. Um, and a manager there that knows how to set up a team in a big game against against good opposition. But looking forward to it, we're going to obviously do a big preview to the game at some stage next week. I'm not sure exactly when, but as I say, the game is in just eight days from us recording, so not really long to go. Uh, once we get the weekend stuff out of the way, we'll be a matter of days away. Um, good stuff, guys. I think that's us. Craig, Callum, thank you very much for, for coming on and chatting about football with me. Of course, my pleasure. Anytime. Big thanks to Craig Wilson as well, General Manager at Big Hearts. Go and check them out on Twitter, at Big Hearts. As I say, a lot of good work going on there, um, even away from, from the Zaliukas auction. So big thanks to him, and we'll speak to you very soon. Until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon.